Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is episode number six. But I found the best way to deal with those really high stress situations is to, I find, is to have people around um, that just distract me from the demons. Because if I'm sat on my own, they'll just flood into my head and, and just make me go crazy. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. Each week, we dive deep into uncovering the difference between the average and the awesome. We talk with thought leaders, business moguls, health and fitness professionals, and world-class athletes as we look for the secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, and today we have another incredible interview with a good friend of mine, Billy Morgan. Billy happens to be one of the best snowboarders in the world, as well as one of the top British snowboarders for sure. We go into the mentality that Billy had when he completed the first ever quad cork and all the different rotations and kind of the demons of the mind that he had when completing the first ever quad cork trip just that many rotations in the air and and just kind of what he was thinking going into that, as well as some of the other tricks that he was the first ever to complete. We go deep into his journey to the Olympics and bringing home a medal, as well as just a whole bunch of incredible information and a couple little hacks of life in there. So this is going to be an interview that you guys are going to want to check out for sure. And let's go ahead and get to it. Billy, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm stoked uh, to have you here and to be able to talk with you and honored to have you as our first actual um, interviewee. So thanks for joining us. And um, so you grew up in Southampton um, and became one of the world's top snowboarders in the world. So how does someone from England become a top snowboarder being that you guys aren't really known for your world-class mountains? How did you yeah. even get into snowboarding and, and kind of tell us a little bit about, about kind of how it, it all started, a I guess. Story. Most of the British guys have to have an odd story about where they came from, but um, I live in Southampton, which is like a port town. So like you say, there's, there's nothing going on. Um, I was an acrobat when I was a kid from about five till 14, 15, I was like a structured doing acrobatics in a men's four. Um, and then when I quit, I, I was kind of lost for a bit, like tried loads of random sports, skating and rollerblading and this and that. Um, and then I went skiing with school at one of the local dry slopes. I don't know if you've ever seen the, like a plastic dry slope. It's like loads of upturned brushes and you can snowboard on it. It's, it's pretty gnarly, but like loved it. And because um, acro was so structured, I think I really loved the the freedom of snowboarding there was no one there telling you what to do I was just like oh, I can just you know do whatever I want and just have the best time ever and then I did started doing winter seasons because I met all the guys there and one of the guys was doing it and then it kind of snowballed on from there and it just became more and more and I got more and more involved in snowboarding and started traveling more for it picked up some sponsors and then finally joined the team trained went to the Olympics and got a medal madness <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's that easy eh yeah it, yeah it was it was a whirlwind mate 
That's awesome. Um, and so you also, I've got just a couple, you know, things here that, that during a, a little bit of our research or doing a little bit of my own research, uh, I've got on you here, but you were the first person to land uh, the quad cork, <clears throat> which is, and fill me in if I've got this right or wrong, but it's four flips and five spin rotations. Right, so this is it's a really complicated bit of snowboarding, okay? Because we do off-axis off spins and stuff, flips and spins are accumulated. When you say like a 540, most people think of, you know, just a flat, like one and a half twists. But if you do a backflip with a 180 on it, we count that as a five. So you do like a rodeo 540. Okay. Right? So with the quad, it was a quad 1800. So the total amount of degree span is 1,800, okay? So four this way, and add just one that way. Okay, okay, gotcha. It's five spins in total, which gets you to 1,800. It is mega complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's the simplest way I can explain it. We just add them up, the flips and spins together to make the 1,800 bit. Either way, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds pretty complicated. Obviously, you know, you were the first person to have done this. What goes through your mind? Like what's going on in your mind before even like attempting this trick? Um, and just, yeah, like kind of fill us in a little bit on, on how you deal with like, I call them the demons of the mind. Like before I go yeah, run a waterfall like or something. That. That's but, good. <laughs> yeah. Fill us in on what was happening just, up there. I've just been used, used to it. I guess you learn to deal with that. Um, I learned later on, it's called calculated risk. But earlier on, it was just like sending it. It's just what I love doing, you know, pushing yourself. And I've, I've just done it all my life. Everything I've done, I've tried to, you know, take it to the extreme and do everything as gnarly as possible. Um, but that was something that I'd never done before because it, it had never been done before. You know, most other things you see people doing it and you want to give it a go. But that was the first time I'd done an NBD. So you didn't even know if it was possible. So that's all kind of running through your head. Um, but I found the best way to deal with those really high stress situations is to, I find is to have people around, um, that just distract me from the demons, because if I'm sat on my own, they'll just flood into my head and, and just make me go crazy. So if I, if I know I'm out to do something, I just want to be distracted until that moment. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for sure. You think that I'd want to be concentrating on it all the time. But I, I think if you if you concentrate on it too much, you can send yourself down a rabbit hole of demonism. <laughs> totally. So you just like you're going out with your mates, having a good time, knowing that like maybe one of the runs you might just go out and throw throw this like quad cork out of the blue. That's the way I tried to look at it. But that day especially, there, there was a proper plan. We had one day to get it done. Um, Red Bull <laughs> built a big jump, and it was like it was quite high pressure. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a couple of mates that, you know, they, they came with me and we were riding the, the behemoth jump. Um, and without them there, I would have, it would have been hard. You know, I had my mate Paddy Graham and Rowan Coultas, one of the younger snowboarders. And we, were, we were just having a, well, a good time on this jump. But that looming in the back of my head, I like knew I've got to try this at some point. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. it wasn't like, I'm definitely going to do this today. It was just kind of like, well, we're going to build it. And if I'm feeling it, I might just out of the blue throw it it's a bit of both 
Okay. I tell myself it's a maybe, but I was going to try it that day. Right. <laughs> yeah. I had to. Yeah. How much, how much training for that specific flip had you done like on, you know, trampolines or foam pits or any of that kind of stuff beforehand? I'm assuming you're not just like, you know, coming out of nowhere, just throwing this on a massive kicker. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Really? We had, we had to, you can't We back then. I mean, even now, if you had airbags, the airbags aren't big enough. You can't get enough airtime onto a bag because you're going so fast. You wouldn't even want to hit that airbag at that, that speed. Wow. So you kind wow. of just have, yeah. So we, we break it down. Like if you've done enough doubles and triples and triples start feeling comfortable and you know, you've got the time, um, you can just go for it and like hold on. Cause it's just another rotation on the end of a trick where the, the, all the momentum comes from the initiation at the beginning. So as long as you get that bit right, it's the triple is the same as the quad, but you have, you just have to hold on longer and get it done faster in the air. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally know what you mean, but it's a lot yeah. easier said than done sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. It was, a, it, it was a toughie, but um, well, we got it done. How My much... coach did calculations. He like worked out how much airtime we'd need, how big the jump would have to be, did the number crunching. Red Bull built it, and I had to turn up and do it. So it was like a team effort. Wow. So being that you've never tried it, you know, even – on a trampoline, foam pit, any of this stuff, I'm assuming you have to do at least some visualization. Like you must have, you know, run this through in your mind. Yeah, I've, there's always a black spot. I've always, always found if I'm trying to trick, I can imagine the taking off some point through the middle of the trick and the landing, but there'll be a spot which is the crucial bit because you want to be able to image, have in your head it all you have some visual spots as you're spinning around that much and I, I couldn't imagine where i'd be at that point um which was scary so i just but i'd done it with other tricks when i first did my triple when i first did my double there there were those black spots when i did them so i just assumed it was the same when i went and did the quad that there would be some point where i would just make it up wow wow um so in in kayaking just like from my own experience, when we or like, I guess, I don't know if everybody feels this way, but like when I'm going to run a waterfall or something like that, and I can kind of like tap into this flow state. Are you familiar with the flow state? You yeah, ever heard yeah. that term? So yeah. if I'm going off a waterfall and I like really tap into this flow state or a hard rapid or any of that kind of stuff, um, my mind kind of goes a little bit blank. Like where it's like, I like to think of it as like where the subconscious like takes over all control Over, overloads mate i've been saying this it's so yeah. hard to explain yeah well you feel me man that's what it's like being in the flow state i guess because people talk about it being in the, the zone of proximal development or whatever you want to call it but um i find i can't remember things after i've done them because i think you, your mind's trying to concentrate so much on what it's doing it doesn't have time to log your memories that's what i would say to people but it seems yeah. crazy no, I totally agree and definitely can relate. But where does that like, where does that kick in for you in snowboarding? Is it like when you hit the lip? Is it when you drop in? Like where, or is it like that midway through the flip that you weren't sure when it was going to happen? Like where does this, where, where's that blank spot of where you can really tell I was in the flow state here because I can't remember that. You know what I mean? It, yeah, we do like a set up turn on the way up the jump. So we kind of cruise in, get the speed right. And then you do one turn and then change onto the other edge to rip the trick. So I, I think it's the turn before 
last one. So as soon as you get to that point where you're like, right, I'm, I'm committing to this trick and you've committed the same, I guess, as soon as you get to that stage where you're on the, the, the waterfall and you're like, mm-hmm. there's definitely no going back now. You're locked in. You don't have any time to concentrate on anything else. Yeah. That's the point. Cause you can kind of bail out. And if I'm about to do the, the trick or whatever, um, go whoop no, and just do a straight air, you know, Be like, <laughs> just, just, do a, just do a straight air. You can't do that. You're locked in. Yeah, no, for, but but it's the same. It's it's that point of commitment. Like as soon as you're locked yeah. in and you're committed, I think yeah. like for me anyway, I feel like that that subconscious just takes over control, and it's like this is too important. You conscious mind, <laughs> you're, you're not able to do well. this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm taking over now. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, that's cool. Like how similarly, I think we experienced that, but you said you used words completely different to how. I would normally try and explain it to people. Interesting. You're a lot more um, better with your words than me. <laughs> just like, yeah, just go, go blank. And then like, I don't know, my brain takes over and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've just thought about it more. I don't know. So you also did the first ever, what was it? The triple, the triple heel side? Yeah, triple Is, rodeo. Triple rodeo. rodeo. That wasn't so legit because other people had done triples. Okay. Um, it was just a different kind of triple. No one had done like that rotation. So it was cool, but not as not as um dramatic as the other one. Well, clearly just adding more flips is probably going to be more dramatic. But in the sense of like um dealing with fear. So you obviously you did the triple what was it back in 2000 was it 11? You did the triple yeah, about, about that. And then 2015 oh, when you did that when you did the 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 quad um how did it how did the two tricks differ in the sense of like the fear that you were dealing with was one scarier because you know you were you were younger and earlier on in your career or like which one was scarier for you i guess at the time The, the quad was scarier um mainly because i think the triple rodeo was like really spur of the moment we were just riding and I was doing double rodeos and I'd been doing them so much um, because it was an important part of my run. That, um, I'd got really comfortable at them. I'd, I was just like on the rodeos at the time. And um, I did one really quick and had like opened out and had a lot of time at the end. And someone was like, mate, you've got so much airtime. You could, you could do a triple. And then I did a couple more runs and was like, I'm just going to go for it. And I spur of the moment, my mate on the lift was like, right, I'll film it. I'll follow you over. Let's do it. Um, so it like it all happened really quick. Yeah. But the quad, I was there was like months of preparation and planning that went into it, and like dates. Went to another. Did you watch the edit where I go to Zoo's to try try it there, and it just doesn't work? Uh, I, th- I I watched the edit where you and your mate were on the. He was like interviewing you on the chairlift. Yeah, oh yeah, that was the yeah the rodeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just so stupid then. Like, Why is I such an idiot? Young and stupid. That, that was a, awesome. How much yeah, do you? The, oh, sorry. Keep going. The I can't remember what I was going to say. The the quad. It was all the planning and that that had gone into it that I had so much more to worry about rather than just like a spur of the moment thing. Right. Had at that moment had anybody ever done a quad? No. No, so no, it was it was the most the most flips that had ever been done. Yeah, yeah. First first person to go upside down four times on on um on a snowboard. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
stupid. <laughs> how much, how much do you um, feel like your acrobatic career when you were younger really enabled that? Or do you think that it had more to do with just your, your like snowboarding career up to that point? No, it was, it was the time I spent as an acrobat. It's all, it's all awareness. Cause I was a top. We're in a, if you know about acrobatics, there's like two bases, a middleman and a top and you perform a floor routine. And I was like the kid that gets thrown around in the circus type thing. Um, so lot, lots of flips. And when I quit, I didn't stop. I went to like adult gym on like a Thursday evening. You could go and just mess around in the gym. So me and a few other people that had quit just, just were like just doing freestyle gymnastics, getting the mats out, flipping around, just going mental all the time. And it was like that, time spent just having a gym club to do whatever you wanted in and flip around as much as possible that just immediately translated across to doing the same thing on a snowboard um because i feel quite comfortable in in the air it's learning how to change your body shape to get out of a sticky situation if someone goes off a jump and they catch their edge or something um you either go splat or you have enough control to wriggle around and get back onto your feet and that saved me so many times. People were like, oh, watching me go off a jump and I'd completely blow it. And they'd be like, how did you survive? Wow. <laughs> how did you get back to your feet and not die? Um, I think, yeah, that, sorry, I waffled on a little bit there, but that was, um, that was what the value was, was all the aerial awareness training when I was young. Wow, that's cool. Do, do you notice whether or not, um, like, are there a lot of, snowboard athletes that have you know a background history in acrobatics or gymnastics or anything like that or are you kind of a little unique that way um so from from britain uh katie emerald one of the younger um girls on the team she's she was a gymnast she's really good um i think she won the the world title this year for like on the on the ranking and jenny jones who got a medal in 2016 in russia um, she did she did a bit of gymnastics when she was young but most of the the other nationalities they start snowboarding realize the value and then learn start learning tricks on a trampoline um, because it is so valuable um, and we train on big 14 foot by 14 foot tramps that like have really slow recoil so if you land upside down it's like it's, it's not that bad they're really good for just chucking yourself about on which it's good for training aerial awareness that's cool. And just as you were mentioning the Olympics, so you've gone to the Olympics twice now. You went back Russia. in 2014 in Sochi, Russia, and then yeah. again in 2018 in South Korea, yeah. where you brought home a bronze medal. So congrats on that. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the brown for the boys. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing though. Um, so tell us a little bit about like the first time you went to the Olympics back in Russia, was that a childhood dream of yours or was that like, just tell us about kind of what that whole experience was like. The Olympics is madness. It's like any event or sporting event or anything you've been to times like a hundred. It's insane. Everything's massive. There's millions of people everywhere. Um, it's a lot to take in, even in a month. Um, there's just so much going on. It's, in Russia, I remember it was really sick because our event was one of the first ones. So we kind of turned up, had to stress out a little bit, went to the event, pure madness. And then we had the rest of the 
the time off to like really enjoy it and soak up the Olympics. Some sports have it at the end and they're stressed the whole time, you know. Um, so it was it was really good to have time to cruise about and soak it all in. Um, it's hard. Awesome. It's hard to explain what 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 it's like. It wasn't a childhood dream, really, because slope style and big air, which I've which I which I do in snowboarding, wasn't a discipline. Um, half pipe was. If you've seen the yeah like the Sean White half half stunt ditch stuff, that that was an Olympic sport, but I was never really into it. Um, I just liked doing big jumps and stuff. So when it got announced that slope style was going to be an Olympic sport, we were like, hell yeah, like awesome. And that meant we got like, there was funding that came into the program. Um, and then we could go snowboarding more, which was always what it was about for me. I just wanted to go snowboarding. And uh, the only way I could do that was go to the Olympics. So I could get funding <laughs> to keep shredding. That's awesome. So essentially like it was all about snowboarding, all about just, throwing big air and then when it became an olympic sport you were just like oh this is something cool i'll do that as well well it's it was just an, an obvious decision when it got announced that the sport i was into was going to become an olympic sport it was like sweet i'll just carry on doing what i'm doing because i was you know we were competing and all that anyway and just you know treading doing video stuff and enjoying it um it just meant that i had a different focus because you're constantly trying to push your ride in anyway you know like right. the, the, when you when you when you're into a sport regardless of what um i guess if, if the goals are different but you're always trying to push yourself as much as possible and get better or whatever push your own goals um whether you're going to the olympics or or not it doesn't matter so it's just carry on doing the same stuff yeah and then so yeah. when you went back to the olympics then um so now you're going to south korea for your second time <clears throat> did being that it was your second olympics did that help you like stay a little bit more focused on meddling or a little more more relaxed or tell us like how did it differ i guess going the second time versus the first time obviously you were able to bring home a bronze so there's that but but how did like how did it change your kind of like mentality going into it i think having the first one under my belt um made me more chill for the second one because I'd, I'd i'd made finals for both both years my aim was to get into the finals so i didn't let my country down you know so it looked like i had I had a shot at a medal at least um so i was a bit more chilled going into it into the second one so i, I knew what, what to expect i knew what to concentrate on and what not to concentrate on but coming i had a little bit more like anxiety at the second one so it was weird. I was a bit more relaxed because I'd been there before, but because I was a bit older, like my bones hurt a bit more and I was a little bit more stressed in general about everything. So that was a little bit harder. Um, and it, we had the two events. In Russia, it was just slope style. And in Korea, it was slope style and bigger. So we, okay. um, we had those two. So it was kind of like we had two chances. So we were a little bit more relaxed about the whole situation because I was like, even if I mess up slope, I've got big air as well. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. no, for sure. Yeah, like essentially. There's an ups and downs of it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. What, what did you feel like you were more confident going into between slope style and big air? I like really you, wasn't ready for slope. Okay. And, and uh, like I'd done my training. I had my run. Um, I wasn't mega happy with it. 
and and then the weather was horrendous it was like super windy and nobody could really do their their runs and it kind of like wiped it all out plus i had a, a like a partially broken rib um from a while ago um which i was really worried about so it wasn't a broken rib i'd, I'd done my lcl on my left knee which was giving me jip um so i was kind of all a little bit distracted for that first that first event in slope style um so when the wind came and kind of ruined it it was like it wasn't meant to be anyway right um so i was like right recharge have a have a, have a, a week off and then go at big f guns blazing that's awesome do you think having the fact that slope style slope style was first um did that help like calm the nerves a little bit more for the big air i can't remember i remember i remember being like did, uh, did this this is the last thing I have to do at the Olympics so in the training sessions I was like just going all out um we had we, we had a plan it's and I, I was gonna do what I had to do you know sometimes I get a bit scared and I'm like oh that trick's a little bit gnarly like I'll have a few more practice runs first and then do it but there was just no room for that it was like turn up handle business um and that obviously worked I think if I had slope style afterwards, I might have been a bit more reserved because I'd be like, well, oh, I don't want to get, I don't want to push it too hard in case I get injured because then I can't ride slope. But because right. slope was out of the way, I was like, well, I'm, I'm all chips in. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely, <clears throat> I can totally like compare to that too, where you, sometimes you want to be like a little bit more reserved and sometimes you're just like all in the whole time and you're just like, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> go big or go home. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of just depends on the event sometimes. I don't know. I, I could totally relate though, for sure. It's, yeah, I don't know. Almost like each, each event has like a different kind of uh, way that it, it kind of, for me anyway, makes my, like my mentality will either be more relaxed or more like I'll feel more pressure. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, it can depend on so many things. Yeah. You know, like who, who's about what you ate the day before, um, whether you just generally feel good, if you've got any pains and niggles, you know, if you've had a crash recently and it's <laughs> whacked you down a bit, yeah. I don't know how how it works with you because you you send it off some massive waterfalls and stuff. Do you like? I, I don't get how you prepare yourself for that. Do you rock up and hoon it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. A little bit, but I mean, it's I don't know. I think water like in a lot of ways kayaking is can be so much more gentle than like you know a like snowboarding or something like that for the most part like the water's fairly soft no, like, i mean i don't know i guess if you land wrong you hit it fast i've hit yeah. water at speeds man it's not soft <laughs> yeah i just think like for the most part water is softer than snow but i guess like powder is pretty soft too but but you're not landing in powder off these big jumps like no, it's it's ice damn what, what's the the gnarliest crash you've ever had not that we need to even go down that hole like because i mean i don't want to talk about my gnarliest crashes oh, but oh. <laughs> i've been lucky man like a lot of people i know have had really bad ones um but you know the, the most debilitating was blow my acl doing a crappy front flip that was annoying um but yeah, I've I've been I've been pretty lucky. I've normally managed to like worm my way out of situations before they can get like really bad. 
with that aerial awareness. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've overshot, overshooting the jumps, the, the horrible ordeal because you go way too fast and you, the landing's gone and you're like, oh, I'm still, still going up and you're supposed to be on the way down. And you just know it's going to hurt loads. So you've got that way too much time to look at the floor where you're going to land and just go, oh, no, it's just going to be bad. You've got a couple of seconds and then whap. And you, you don't know if you're going to get away with it or not. You just kind of do what you can do. That sucks. Is there any way, like when you're in the middle, you know, you're at the, the peak of your hang time, is there any way to like, I don't know, change your trajectory or anything like that? Like, can you open up more or something like that and know that you won't travel as far or like anything? Or are you just, it all has to do with how much speed you're coming into that thing with? Yeah, you can't change. the, the Once you've left the lip, you can't change the, the spot where you're going to land. Um, but you, if, you, if you've got rotation, you can play with that because you, you can change your body shape to change your rotation. Hmm. But like once you've left the lip, you, you, you're going as big as you can go. I wish you had a little parachute. You could be like, I'm going too big. <laughs> Maybe. That'd be awesome. Oh, no. You're totally going to invent that, the, the Billy Morgan backpack. And it's just like, too big. Huh? Parachute. Yeah. That'd be um, awesome. We say it sometimes when, um, when people, they go, they go in for a triple but they realize they haven't, they haven't got enough um, rotation. So they, they come out early and like stop at two. We yeah. call that deploying the parachute because they're like, ha! and then they're like, oh no. And they, and they like open up into a big like starfish to try and slow it down. It's like, <laughs> out comes the parachute. That's awesome. Um, so now I've just got a couple questions for you, Billy. Thanks so much for, for kind of diving deep on kind of your whole career a little bit. Um, but what is one piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started as an athlete? Or what is one piece of advice that you would give someone that is wanting to pursue uh, a career similar to yours? Okay. It's a hard one that because you know, everybody's different. But I, I wish earlier on, I took some things, not less seriously, but just take time to enjoy the things that you can while you're doing your sport because as soon as you as soon as you take the things away from what you're doing that you enjoy it then becomes you, you don't want to do it as much so you'll spend less time doing what you do which is what you need to do you need to spend with any sport you need to spend as much time as you want doing it so as long as you can keep it fun and you're enjoying it you, you're all good is what I say. I know it's like a such a hippie thing to say, just like yeah, as long as you're having fun, it doesn't matter. But if you can make what you're doing fun, or if you like some sort of training that you prefer to another one, do the bit you enjoy. Yeah, essentially, just don't do, make. Do, yeah, do a little bit of the other one, but yeah, don't turn it into a job. No, <laughs> it is. It will end up being your job. It's inevitable. So enjoy what you can. Yeah, that, that was a long-winded <laughs> answer, and I apologize. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. No, I <laughs> totally agree, and it, it, up a bit. <laughs> it will like essentially inevitably become a job if that's like you know you want to pursue it and turn it into a career. But it's also like the best job ever. I mean, that's at yeah. least what I feel like. I wake up every day and I'm just like, I love my life. Like this is so cool. I'm, yeah, I, it's I, sick. So enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Try not to stress about it. Just just enjoy it. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing, I think is the, is the one. That's awesome. Um, so for you, how do you continue to learn 
in order to stay on top of things like with, within your career? You can learn so much from other people and your, and your peers. I know it's quite, it's quite difficult for, for people that, that snowboarding is a really social thing. Like everybody's like, well, you people have their, their crews and they're riding together and you're buzzing off everybody all the time. I find like that's the most important thing. Sur- surround yourself with people that um, are like-minded. What was the question? No, no, it's, it's how do you continue to learn? But I think that's actually the perfect that, answer. That's it, yeah. Just keep surrounding yourself with, with people that are on the same path that you enjoy being with. No, and you can almost like, you can extrapolate that into like anything in life too, because no matter, like, obviously that's for snowboarding, but it's the same with anything in life. Just if you want to continue to learn, get better, excel, just surround yourself with top individuals and you'll continue to be more like them. Yeah, no, it's, that's perfect. Yeah. It's not, not even necessarily if they're, I mean, obviously if you you need some people around that are either better than you or as good as you to like constantly push to give you some competition. But I find going riding with kids sometimes so inspiring and it helps me like carry on to just see, I see myself and how much fun they're having back when 10 years ago when I was just, you know, buzzing and I'm like, I just get so excited and just have the best time ever. So as long as people, as long as you're on the same, as long as you're on the same path at some point as, as the person you're with, you it'll benefit you no i i I agree exactly and and i love that you said you like you know snowboarding with kids because i do i i totally agree because i do this um this kids program in the summertime i'm not doing it this year during the whole covid thing but pardon me do you just throw them off cliffs (laughs) no no well no we do it's it's, (laughs) uh a little bit it's a freestyle based camp but it's not really it's it's a kayaking based camp up in canada on the ottawa river but the river itself is like is really friendly it's big water so it's um it can be intimidating but it's safe like it's deep water and a lot of this stuff and so we get to push these kids like beyond their comfort zones but they're just like so stoked on paddling and they're just like so amped to try anything. And it's yeah. like this, that energy is, a, is, it's contagious where their stoke will like just make me so stoked to try new things and do whatever. And I'm just like, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think hanging out with kids for sure. And just like, I don't know. Kids have just this, like the best energy. Yeah. The best energy. Yeah. Do I count as a kid? You know, come and do that. Can I like just shrink myself a bit and come on one of your uh, your courses? Oh, you totally could. I'm gonna make it happen, Billy. I'm gonna bring you in. Um, so obviously you are an incredible athlete. Um, but what is one thing that you're not good at? Football. Football. Now, do you do you consider Soccer. football? Soccer. Soccer. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's... I just I just don't. I've always said I can't do football. I'm not doing it. I'm not playing it. Don't like it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a big thing over in England. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, all my mates. Con- I'm in like a few lads chats. They're constantly talking about football. I'm like, <laughs> That's awesome. I miss, I miss the memos when they're organising stuff because um, I'm like, I'm not even going to read it anymore because I just talk about football all the time. <laughs> um. What do you consider one of your biggest failures and what did you learn from it? I like to think that even when you mess things up, it's not failing. You, you go through life, you make mistakes and you can't, 
can't look at things as failures because do you know what I mean? You have to you make know, mistakes, I, learn I, stuff. So I totally that's a really hard question. Yeah. I can't I can't answer that. Do maybe you, I'm just, maybe I'm just blessed and I don't feel like I've messed too much stuff up. Do you have any no, I totally agree with what you're saying. You're like and, and I probably I probably should have reworked <laughs> reworded the question because i i also believe that like i don't it's not like winning or losing i i consider i always like i'm either i win or i learn um and so i like that, <laughs> I like that. that's good but but i mean i still like you know it's still very apparent for me like when i learned like it's like even if i i've always learned something even you know i i I probably don't learn nearly as much when I do win because I don't maybe reflect on it as much or I don't think about it as much, but I definitely always learn something when I lose. Um, well, you'll come back hungrier. Yeah. Fighting. Yeah. More. Hmm. No, I, I totally agree with that for sure. That's um, a hard it, it, it is it's a trick question. Just threw that in there. Threw you under the bus a little bit. Mm. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll totally go in a different direction for you then. Um, what is something that you have read or heard recently that has inspired you? I heard about a dude who got locked down and cycled from Scotland to Athens. Wow. Cause he, um, he, he couldn't get home to see his family and he couldn't fly. So he cycled 3000 miles from Scotland to his home in Athens, a student, a student in Edinburgh. Wow. And I got on my bicycle and cycled 80 miles and was knackered. <laughs> That's crazy. 3,000 miles. How long did it take him? Think it, it was a while. It was like 40 days. Wow. But that's still not bad. No, that's incredible. A month and, yeah, a month and a half. Man, that's, you, it, it just goes to talk. Like 60 miles a day. Yeah. Whatever the math is, you could quickly number crunch that. <laughs> Talks about like the determination and the power of your why, eh? Like what, once you just have something set in mind and you're just like, no, this is exactly why I want to do it. Like, yeah, there's no obstacles that, that can't be, um, you know, overtaken. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I think I lack that now. I'm like, I've just been kind of sat about, I'm comfortable in my home. Um, I don't have to cycle for 3000 miles to Athens. I was like, I don't have any direction anymore. <laughs> well, no, I've definitely been there to, like as well. I, I mean, for me, when I won the world championships, there was definitely like a big, and it lasted a while, like a moment of being like, huh, now what? Like, yeah, now where you just, yeah. The Olympics is like that. They call it the post-Olympic blues or whatever. Because um, you've spent four years training for this one event. And then, you, you know, you, you go and you do it. And then whether you do well or not, you get to the stage where you're like well that's over and you have to do I do it again or right or what what happens now and it's yeah. like a thing it's a thing that people get no I totally and you're not the first Olympian that I've heard you know say that and I definitely can relate to that it's like you're so focused on one goal that once it's passed win or lose that you're just kind of like huh now what do I think about and focus on do you yeah. know what I mean like it's just yeah. Well, I'm lucky I can go back to the things. I've skipped a lot of the things in snowboarding that I haven't had time to do because I've been 
being an Olympian, you know. So mm-hmm. I want to go right to powder, just shred, like go back to my stomping grounds, um, have a good good time. And, you know, you, you know, you go places and you're like, oh, I should have done that, should have done this. Like go and do those things. Yeah. Well, so what's what's next for you? What what are what are those things that you're just like, oh, I can't wait to go, you know, check this back off the list or or get back to here I've and do this thing. I've never been to Japan, the mecca of powder riding. Like, I haven't, I haven't been. I have to go to Japan. Lots of my mates have done trips there, but I've always been too busy. They're like, are you coming this year? And I'm like, can't go. So go to Japan, just, just shred with, without an objective, you know? Yeah, just enjoy it for what it yeah. is. Yeah. I found it really hard to um, go snowboarding and not, be like, right, I've got these, I'm going to do this and this and this today. Just go up the mountain and be like, sick, I'll just do whatever. I found it hard to get in that mindset like I was back in the day when I was just in France doing seasons where I'd wake up every day, go up the mountain and just do whatever I wanted. I found it hard to go back to that. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't, even now I don't think I'm back to that. Yeah. No, I, I definitely relate to that. And for me, uh, you know, after a big competition or something, when I'm so focused on like nailing a ride, a routine or anything that like that, my like go-to or getaway is like, oh, I just want to go back to Mexico and go run like the Alsa Seca or run some waterfalls where I'm just like, like, you don't have to worry about judges. It's just like, it's for the joy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just get back to it. I get it. There must be some rivers or whatever that are just the best. That, yeah. That, Mex- yeah Mexico's got some, got some in- incredible rivers for sure. You have got um, a completely different environment, like being on top of a mountain and it's just snowy and cold. And I bet you go to like some really sick, jungly, waterfall, green paradise places, and it's that's yeah, polar opposites. That's they right. are completely polar opposites. I mean, I I snowboard and I ski a little bit, but not nearly at your level. Um, and yeah, they're totally different environments. Like, I mean, I love being on the mountain and I love it when it's snowing and it's a powder day or when it's bluebird or like all those times. Like, I mean, the mountains are incredible. And for me, the mountains are just so majestic. Like I just, honestly, I'm regularly in awe just looking yeah, at the mountains. Yeah. Um, I forget to stop and look up sometimes. And when I do, I'm like, damn, when I'm in Switzerland, it lags. And I look up and I'm like, these mountains are crazy. Yeah. But the, the river's cool too, because you just, especially in like somewhere like Mexico, you're just, you're engulfed in this like overgrown jungle. And I don't know, it's, you're just, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a unique place. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Have you been sure. on the snow? Have you, have you like been on the slope? Oh, you're, you're taking a kayak down, down the yeah. snow? Yeah, I've definitely done it. I mean, nothing, oh, nothing too yeah. crazy huge. Okay. Yeah. But I bet you could get some speed, man. You could probably do some legit jumps. Yeah, but you can't stop. You wouldn't want to crash. You no, know. there's no brakes. Like you can't in a snowboard. You know, you you put it on edge and you stop. Like in a kayak, it just slips out and you start spinning. You so like, yeah, I mean, you've got your paddle to drag you, but that's like using a handbrake to try to st- stop yourself snowboarding. Like it doesn't quite work. Mm. You must be able to fix something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's epic. I mean, don't like, don't get me wrong. I love it, but you have to be a little bit careful of like where you go because you have to kind of think like, okay, yeah. this is going to be sick, but how am I going to stop? So it either has to like have like and a where, nice, where am I going to stop? Yeah. Or where like it has, it's got to have like a runway out or like run into a river or like, I don't know. It's got to have something for sure. Yeah. But maybe I'll, I'll get out on a slope with you sometime. 
Yeah, mate, I'll take the kayak on the snow. You can get on a snowboard, mate. We'll have a race. <laughs> I mean, you'll definitely win, but I'd love to see it. It would be awesome. Um, so I've, I've just got a couple last questions for you. Thanks so much for your, for your time here. Um, yes, bro. Yeah, dude, this has been awesome. What do you consider one of your most awesome memories or moments? Could be anything in life, whether it's on a snowboard or not. Apart from the obvious, I, I, getting a medal at the Olympics, I want to, you know, that that was a, a crazy experience because I was never really expecting it, and it was such a whirlwind. Um, that it, that has that has to be up there. Um, with but it's just a, such a boring answer, I think. No, I mean I don't think it's boring. I think it's le- legit because I can imagine that it's going to be a memory or moment that you're never going to forget for the rest of your life. No, well, the, the biggest thing about it was um, that I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. I went into the finals um, just just wanting to land my two tricks, and I was like, okay, I'll, you know, if I land them to the best of my ability, I'll probably come sixth or fifth or whatever. But um, yeah, we put the pressure on enough to, you know, everybody kind of panicked and lots of people fell over and I ended up in third and it was just mad. So I never like expected it. So I wasn't ready when I had to go and stand on the podium and I was like, oh shit, like I've got to go and like stand up here. And it was just super, super crazy. <laughs> so weird. Awesome. I was not prepared for it. That's uh, awesome. Did you scull a beer before going up onto the podium? No, you have to do it right then. Oh, really? Yeah, you like, because you have to stand in the corral at the bottom. The, the people who are in podium positions have to stand there and wait. Um, and if you get knocked out, you're allowed to leave. And I just didn't get knocked out. Wow. Um, so I was just stood there the whole time. I sunk a few beers after that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet you, you did. Were, were cracked that night. <laughs> which I really regretted because I had so many interviews the next day. And I was just like. <sighs> That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, okay. So I've got. One final question here for you, Billy. Um, what is your definition of awesome? Getting to that point where you've got something you really want to try, a stunt, a trick or anything, and, um, and you've been thinking about it for ages, and you, you, know, you, you go and try it. It could be dropping in on your skateboard on the, you know, like your first time dropping in a ramp. You know, like you see kids at the skate park when they make that commitment to the first time and they're like super scared and then they try it and they're just buzzing. That, that is awesome. Or th- that could be applied to so many things, can't it? Drop in your first legit waterfall or whatever. Um, that's the one. Because it could be any, you know, it can be any level doing anything. If, you've, uh, if you're worried about it and then you do it and you enjoy that buzz, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, I totally, that's amazing. Almost like stepping up against like your fears a little bit. Yeah. Sending it. Yes. <laughs> We're going to send it. Uh, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> well, Billy, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. And um, what's one of the best ways that people can connect with you online, uh, on social media, any of that? Yeah, probably on Instagram. Um, that's where I do most of my stuff. I'm I'm not the most proactive Instagrammer. I try and get get stuff up when um when I can. I'm gonna start doing some YouTube vloggery. I think I'm gonna try and start making some videos. So tune in on that if you want. Okay, there out. you guys have it. Check out Billy on Instagram. And thanks to everybody for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Um, 
And we're just going to kind of continue to try to uh, grow this community and our message out there. So thank you, Billy. Thanks, Stay everybody. Awesome. For, Stay thanks awesome, everybody. people. <laughs> Stay awesome. Yeah. Now let's all go and have an awesome day. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, bud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.